Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Read and Retire podcast, episode three. Three, yes, right, uh, episode three. Um, yeah, we made it uh, to the third episode, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far, um, especially after, like, the episode that we had with Rosh, which I thought was uh, just pretty eye-opening, just given his story and kind of the way that he was able to move from just being, you know, growing up in an immigrant family all the way to actually having his family work in a convenience store, open their own convenience store, and then start buying hotels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, from Seven Eleven to to man, I don't have to, to Hilton. Yeah, from Seven Eleven to Hilton, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah that's it's kind of crazy. I know it's in it's insane, and it, I think you know the now that he you know works in venture capital and everything, and is pretty humble. It's just it's just a good person, no good person to be a friend of. So I'm happy, and and I'm glad we got to interview him. Yeah, me too. Hopefully, um, he comes. He comes back on once we, um, I mean, because he did invest into like a private uh, company. So maybe once the company goes public and we can just have him back on and see what's going on. Yeah, I think pretty cool to know what went on with that. Mm -hmm, That'd be cool. Like maybe our, we might have a few millionaires on before that, but he will be, he'll probably be one of them at that point. So Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends how long this company takes to go public. (laughs) Or they can get acquired first, as you were saying too. So there's that too. Um, but yeah, um, just in terms of just announcements for read and retire, this has been a very good week. Um, we just recently finished, um, our, our, uh, last book in our book club set for life by Scott Trench, um, which is a good read. Um, and it's just a pretty eye opening, I would say, um, just in terms of the way that he thinks about saving for early financial freedom and what that means. And so we're going to be starting a new book soon. Um, and pretty much looking forward to mostly, I think the main thing that a lot of people have kind of been interested in is just like real estate and entrepreneurship. So I think the next book is going to center around that, but our book club is, as you know, every Thursday, um, at 8 PM Eastern time. So if you're interested, just reach out to us at readandretire.com and we'll try and make sure that you can at least, um, see the content, um, if not be part of the book club and we drop it on our YouTube as well. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the next book is as good as the this one. So far, uh, Set for Life is my favorite of, I mean, there's only been two, but it's my favorite book so far. Um, yeah, I just like the way he broke everything down, you know, and just the whole concept of making sure that you're, that you have enough money to essentially buy back your time, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that's, 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 I think that's what I'm doing for the rest of this year, just yep. making as much money as I can so that I can not have to work in and maybe i mean hopefully do this whole read and retire thing just full time yeah that's the goal um the hope is to be able to uh just provide you guys information on how to be uh financially savvy and to how to how to build um you know whatever goal it is that you want to achieve financially and i think that you give a perfect segue into the discussion that we're going to have today which is about wealth which is about being rich and which is about financial freedom because I think people often kind of clump those terms together, but I think like even buying back your time, like that is really like financial freedom. Like you have the chance to do whatever you want with your time. If you achieve financial freedom, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily rich. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily wealthy, but it means that you've bought back your, you know, your time. And I feel like for a lot of people, they often kind of say, okay, I want to build generational wealth. I want to be rich. I want to achieve financial freedom. And those are all great goals, but I think, you know, the reason we want, I wanted to spend today to kind of talk about those is because they're all kind of different things and you kind of 
get to them in different ways. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And so we, we often say that you only optimize what you measure. And so if you're trying to achieve financial freedom, but you're measuring that success by how much wealth you have or by how rich you are, then you might miss the mark when it comes to figuring out what it is that you need to do to get there. And so I'm excited to kind of di- dive into all of those and to kind of talk about each of them individually. Yeah, for, sure, for, sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wanted to start off just with getting getting your thoughts on the first concept, which is just being rich. Like what, what does being rich mean to you? Well, um, to me, just having a large amount of money, just a huge sum of money. I think that's what it means to be rich. And, you know, you can just, it's just, yeah, yeah just having a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you get it, but just having a large sum of money, really. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, rich is kind of just like a quantity number to me. It's just, I have X amount of money. Um, the thing about when you're rich is, you can also lose all that money too. It's not something that's like reoccurring. So like that's will come a lot of times like when people talk about rich, they use things like athletes, they use things like um, entertainers um, uh, because, you know, we've all heard the story of somebody who's made like hit the lotto and became rich and then all of a sudden they come back being broke. Oh yeah, 100% rich is just, I mean, yeah, there's like you said, there's like a million different ways to do it. I mean, in the hood, there's definitely people, you know, that it's either through sports a lot or it's either through uh, maybe Rap. it's music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something like that. You just make a vast quantity. You come into a lot of money usually, and you come into a lot of money without really understanding how money works usually. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of times, like, you can actually become rich just, like, working your way up the corporate ladder. Like, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of CEOs and, like, CMOs, CTOs. Like, there's a lot of people who, um, you know, they start off, even, um, you know, in the world of finance. Like, when we talked, like, the last episode, you know, if, like, you become, like, a partner at probably, like, a venture capital firm or, you know, a private equity firm, you'll probably be making, like, a lot of money if you're, if you, if you hold that money down for a while, like, you will have a large sum, so... I mean, I guess, but if, you, if you're like a CMO or like a C whatever, oh, if you're in C-suite for a venture capital, I'm pretty sure you're... I mean, it, you could be crappy with money. That <laughs> C could stand for crappy, but you probably aren't. <laughs> yeah. And, and, being, and being rich doesn't... And don't get me wrong. Being rich doesn't mean that you're bad with money. It just means you have a large quantity of money. 100%. That's, that's, yeah, that's all, that's all it means. You can, be, you can have a large quantity of money and get a lot of money at one time. You can get an inheritance. You can um, build it up over time, but you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean that um, you have security. A lot of times, the, the key, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, a lot of times when people are rich, to be honest, they're still very scared because a lot of times their money is still tied to their time. Like if you're an athlete, you still have to go to every game and you start to play. Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, those contracts are crazy. You have to play because if you just stop playing, I'm pretty sure that's a breach in your contract. Yeah, you and won't get you paid. You owe them money because it, it depends on the fight when the when the payout is how you get paid if you get paid out you know all at once or if you get paid out like in disbursements but um yeah you're right um you have to you know lace up your shoes you have to get on the court yeah or if you're a, a musician like you got to perform like you like you can't not put out like if you don't put out music you don't get paid oh yeah <laughs> those music contracts are ridiculous like the stipulations <laughs> and the rules and stuff like that you gotta go you gotta do it so you kind of yeah yeah like you said it's just quantity it's like you have a lot of money relative to you know, um, regular folks or like, you know, average people, but you're still like 
tied to it the same way like a nine to five person is probably more so yeah because i think the biggest thing that a lot of people fear when they're rich because we talk about fear of stopping people from doing things i think rich people can be some of the most fearful people because they're scared to lose the money that they have like if you woke up and you didn't have that money like if you got fired from your job if you were in a, a ceo and you got fired from your job your life would your lifestyle would change so you're you're like my i gotta make sure my shareholders are good i gotta it's pretty stressful to be yeah. honest I especially think. since um a lot of times i mean maybe not in like the case of um somebody in corporate america they might handle their finances better they might not but there is a general trend for people to um spend more money when they make more and especially when you go from like rags to riches like say you're an athlete or like maybe a music star you're probably spending money because you've never had that amount of money before so you're probably even more fearful because um you're spending a whole bunch, so you have to constantly go on tour. You have to constantly make music, because otherwise you're going to lose it all, like, immediately. You'll lose it as fast as you got it. So, um, damn, I forgot my point. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no, but I was going to say that, like, that is that is very true, though, because a lot of times, like, money doesn't, people people think it does, but we I think we, we talked about this, too. Like, money doesn't really change you. It just exasperates who you are. Yeah. So, if you're already somebody who was not good with money, if you're already somebody who didn't really pay attention to where it is that their finances were at, um, having a lot of money or getting a lot of money, it's just going to make those bad habits exasperate. So, if you shop a lot, feed out a lot, if you buy luxury things, um, those are the kind of things that are just going to multiply. Especially if you was buying luxury things before you could actually afford luxury Facts. things. <laughs> That's <laughs> a fact. Yeah, it's, if you if you were shop if you were shopping at Dior or, or and Louis before, it's going it's going to be even worse. And so, Man, you go start shopping and things you don't even understand, things you don't even like know how to spell. Yeah, <laughs> at least know at least know how to spell the things you're buying. I would say at least know how to pronounce them because like you, you don't want you're not trying to sound stupid in these streets like buying something foreign and not really knowing oh, how man. how it sounds. Oh man! Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I, that's kind of like what it, what it, what it, to me being rich is, and I think a lot of times people think like if they become rich, like a lot of their problems will go away, or and. Money does change a lot of money does um give you a lot of options. It doesn't really change your problems. But even if you make a lot of money, what people don't realize is like a lot of times that comes with like the fear of losing a lot of that money because it's not something that's like repeatable all the time. Like if you want to earn that money, you have to put in the same amount of work that it just took you the first time to get it. Like you still got to perform, you still got to show up. If you if you um start averaging five points a game, like your the money you make is will drop. So you know. I mean, the potential. I mean, the con- you, you secured the contract, but the next contract, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that next one. Yeah. And then um, I think for the regular person, like we were saying, when it comes to just um, being rich, that is a good goal to have when it comes to money, and it can be. But um, I think for a lot of times, you want to make sure that if you are going on that corporate ladder route, you are making sure that you're saving money. You want to make sure that you're that you're figuring out ways that once you do get that money that you can try to enjoy it while you can versus like stress out um if you are on that path of being rich um yeah i think um so my next question then um is i would love to get your thoughts on what it means to be wealthy now versus rich so like we established uh being rich is just coming into a large amount of money um, you can do it through like any room, any means, really. But uh, a lot of times, usually, you know, just you know, day and night sort of situation. You know, one day you don't have, you're not rich, and then the next day you're suddenly rich. Exactly. Or it can happen over time too. But um, I think wealthy is more so when your money is 
generating you money in a way that you no longer have to worry about, you know, anything. You know, when your assets and the things you buy actually are generating enough money that you don't have to worry about, you know, having to pay anything. And you're not, it's like being rich without the fear mm-hmm. because you're not essentially tied to your money. Your money's doing its job and making you more. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, um, and no, I agree. Um, I was going to um, touch on um, the first point that you had made. Um, I can't I can't remember it now. It might come back to me, but um <laughs> when but like yeah i think when it comes to being wealthy for me um i i I like it the best looking at it as an equation i don't know i really love rich dad poor dad that equation where it's like how like um wealth he looks at in the first book that we read in our book club rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki he talks about wealth as being an equation like how many days forward could you survive if you stopped working today so your wealth is like as an example if you spend $5,000 a month, that's kind of like how much it costs you to live. And you, in the bank, you have $20,000. If you stopped working today, you could survive four months. So your wealth, you're only four months of wealth. You have four months of wealth. But if, you, if it costs you $5,000 to live and your investments make you $5,000 a month, even if you stopped working today, you'd be wealthy indefinitely because the amount that it costs you to live is the amount that your investments bring you. You're not rich yet, like $5,000 isn't, you're not rich, but you're wealthy. And I think that that kind of just goes to show that if your investments are bringing you an amount of money that allows you an opportunity to live and maintain within your current lifestyle, then you're wealthy. Um, And I think that that's the main difference between being rich and wealthy, where rich is that large sum of money, but wealth is really like, uh, I'm not, I might not be rich yet, but my investments are bringing me the amount of money that I need to maintain my lifestyle, whether I choose to work or not. Um, And so that's kind of how, how I look at wealth, just being able to choose, you know, what you, whether, how your investments bring you money over time. So, so, um, Rich, I mean, we could, we could summarize it. Uh, rich is money without time, and wealth is essentially just, um, I guess, some money, but a lot of time. Yeah, it gives you a lot more flexibility because you could choose, you know, you, could, um, you can choose to work or not work. And as long as your assets are bringing you uh, enough money to stay ahead of the rate of inflation, then you can consider yourself wealthy and the reason we say inflation is because we talked about this also a few weeks ago and we also i also posted it on our social media this week but if you if you want to achieve uh wealth inflation is very important because um inflation is just like a general rise in prices and so in an economy like the amount the value of your money um is going to essentially like decrease over time like what you can purchase with your money decreases as inflation rises um because an inflation is just a general increase in prices so if before one dollar got me a calculator because the general price of things are going to rise over time this one dollar in 10 years from now is no longer going to be able to allow me to afford what it could afford me before and so because you know that the value or the purchasing power of your dollar is going to decrease you want to make sure that the assets that you get if they're bringing you money every month to help secure your wealth you want to make sure that the 
return on investment, the ROI, that percentage is more than inflation. And I think from the books we were reading, it was saying that inflation on average is about 3.2% every year. So that means that every 20 years, prices double on average. Mm-hmm. A, um, of, a 25 cent bag of chips well, used to be 25 cents. It's going to be, I guess, a dollar in like 2041. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you you know if you if it is fifty cents, I don't even know really. Yeah, so that's why it's important. Again, you know, when you think about wealth, it's kind of like okay, well, then my investments just have to bring me enough money to maintain my lifestyle. There's kind of two parts to it. You want to put you, your money is in investments. You might not be rich yet, but at the same time, you want to make sure that your lifestyle is low because if you have an expensive lifestyle, it's just going to take you longer to become wealthy because your assets are going to have to work a lot harder to maintain your lifestyle. So, yeah, so um, that's the important part about wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, to be rich, you do need a lot of money, but to be wealthy, you just need to make sure that the money you have coming in is less. I mean, it's more than the amount of money you're spending. So that mm-hmm. gives you a lot more control. Mm-hmm. And if you are a cheapskate like me, you can, <laughs> you can essentially make yourself wealthy just because you don't spend a lot of money. Yeah. And um, it and you know I think also the another key piece of wealth um I know I had hit on it before but it's really the job the job aspect. If you had to leave your job today, what would your investments be giving you? Can that survive? Can that sustain your lifestyle? If it can, then you're wealthy. If it can't, then you haven't reached it yet. But that's the goal, you know, for some people um when they think about why it's more important to be ri- wealthy versus why it's important to be rich, um, and um. Another another thing that when it comes to actually how to get wealthy, I think one thing that I learned from Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I thought was very insightful, was he kind of said like there's one blueprint to getting wealthy. Like if you know this, you will achieve wealth. And he said that the reason most people don't achieve it is because they don't understand the difference between these two terms, which we can talk a little bit about too, if you want, but uh, yeah, we can um, go ahead. We can talk about them. Um, yeah, go ahead. Some yeah. The terms. So essentially, uh, uh, the way that you become wealthy is this simple thing. You need to know the difference between an asset and a liability and you need to invest in assets. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki says, especially on our, on our book club, you know, like that we were reading, a few months ago, he says, the reason more people aren't wealthy is because they don't know the difference between an asset and a liability. Um, and so he was saying that pretty much like an asset is anything that puts money into your pocket. That could be a lot of different things. And he says a liability yeah. is anything that takes money out of your pocket. Yeah, essentially. I mean, in general, um, usually there's certain things that tend to be more liabilities than um, anything else. For most people. But <laughs> here at Read and Retire, we think that if you're creative, you can turn even like something that is considered like a terrible liability like for example a car usually cars are considered liabilities just because they're constantly being made and they get worse and they break down over time so it's like as soon as you drive off the lot they say you know you lose like maybe a couple thousand dollars or maybe a couple hundred dollars off the, off the value of the vehicle and um you know like if you're creative with like how you um use the vehicle you can make it into an asset but generally speaking they tend to be liabilities like most yeah. things that are liabilities for most people will remain that way it would just take you know a little i guess creative financing to maybe figure out how to um how to turn those things into assets yeah no i agree um and it's important to do that because 
if we know that the key to being wealthy is to know the difference between an asset and a liability and to just buy assets, it's like everybody would do it if they knew what an asset was. And like like you were saying, a car can be an asset for a lot of people, but for most people, it could be a liability as well. And so your perspective is important. Like if you're, you know, if you're using Uber for your car, if you're on Toro, if you're renting it out, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways that you can, you know, advertisements, people put ads on their cars. Like there's so many different ways that you can make money from a car that it could technically be asset like i think i was saying um a few months ago that rick ross actually uses his cars as as an asset like he was basically saying that he buys like a very luxurious car and he'll spend money on it but there'll be somebody who will pay him like twenty thousand dollars just to take a photo with his car just so that they can use that photo on instagram so for him it's like okay well if i'm making twenty thousand dollars a month from this one car it's kind of an asset for me because people are paying me for an hour of time just to take photos. So twenty k, yeah, twenty. It's like a, it's an asset for him. He's 20K. actually making money. Is, that, is it an NFT, David? Or we just talk about like a regular photo? No, no. It's it's um. It's it'll be like for Instagram. Like if I wanted, if I needed his cars to like you know, let's say I, I wanted to pretend like I'm like these cars are mine, but I obviously know they're rented. It would be like, all right, Ross, here's twenty thousand dollars. Let me take a photo with these three cars. You know whatever whatever and he'll he'll rent out for photos so good for him man i just it just it's it's kind of like a um kind of shows you how how much these instagram people are making (laughs) if they could just be like oh i'll just pay 20k for this photo how much money are they making per picture (laughs) yeah but it's just it just goes to show like yeah uh asset and a liability uh, asset and a liability is really in the I don't want to say in the eye of the beholder, but it's kind of like it. It is what it. What is what you make it. If something is going to be an asset for you, be strategic about it. And if it is going to be a liability, make sure you have an asset to pay for it. That's kind of the the goal. But that's how you yeah. become wealthy. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, it'll just usually what will happen is I think usually the liability will take a lot more effort to turn into an asset. It's like the um, story you told me about the guy who uses student loan money to purchase a building in Harlem, mm-hmm. and then he just kept repeating it. Like every year he would use the money and then just buy property and then now the property's worth like a lot of money. It's just it's a huge risk, but he effectively did turn a ridiculous liability like student loans into an asset. It just takes mm-hmm. a lot more work and you have to be willing to risk more as opposed to um, just purchasing an asset outright. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it takes a lot to be more a little bit more creative, especially. But like I said, that's um that's kind of my like minorities and i think you know black people hispanic people like everyone who's kind of comes from a low-income background in a nutshell like we've always i feel like been more creative with financing like always we've just always figured out a way to take something that other people would not be able to make money on or or really profit or and just be creative with it you got to stress that dollar yeah flip it so you got to stress it dude yeah but that yeah, so that was that was an interesting uh, I think take when it just comes to wealth. And then um, um, the last thing, the, the third thing I think that most people kind of say like there's some people who want to be rich, some people who want to be wealthy, and then there's a very big community, like a very big community. One I recently not I didn't recently find out about it, but uh, financial independence retire early, the fire community. They've been around for a long time, and there's a difference between being rich, being wealthy, and then achieving financial independence. Um, what does financial freedom mean to you? Well, I think financial freedom is just wealth forever, essentially. Because, you know, if you're wealthy, that means you have more money than you have enough money to last you like a certain period of time. And then when you're financially free, you have enough money to last you till you die. You set it up in a way where 
you know, you just have to just wait. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to keep making money and then your expenses is going to remain the same. Yep. I agree. And I think that financial freedom, it has a look to me. It has it does. It does connotate that you have some kind of wealth. Um, I think there's two pieces that people kind of assume when it comes to financial freedom. The first one is what you talked about earlier with the time. I think once you've achieved wealth, for the most part, people like assume it comes with financial freedom, meaning your time is self-directed. Like you can do whatever you want with your time. I think that's what freedom really means. Like I can choose to work or not work. Wealth is kind of like, even though my assets bring me this, like I might have, like you know, if if I'm if I own a property and stuff, I might have to do some work. You know, I might have to actually put in some hours um, into doing those kind of things. Financial freedom is kind of like mm, I could choose to or not do it, and I would still be able to make money. Um, and another thing I think when it comes to financial freedom is a lot of people assume it like comes early on um, because. Financial freedom is cool, but if you achieve financial freedom at 60, that's still amazing, but uh, for most people would say like their best years are behind them. So I think there's also kind of like a... Wait, Dave. It maybe, maybe, maybe science might... Uh, yeah, science could probably... 40 years, you know? Rejuvenation. Re- yeah, yeah, they might make a pill and now you're 20 again. Yay. So <laughs> let's not, let's not, let's not... Count. For all those people, you know, who think that, you know, at 60... That's not a good age to reach financial freedom. Just hold up. No, no, I'm saying that is a good thing. And no, to be honest, based on no, no matter what age you reach financial freedom at, the fact that you're free is like amazing. But yeah, it's an astounding achievement, regardless of age. Yeah, but I think most people, um, when it comes to like the financial freedom, it's kind of like I want the best years to still be ahead of me. So most people would be like, if I could retire by the time I'm 35, 40. That gives me some time to still be able to quote unquote enjoy life, and I think that's what financial freedom. Like, it just you can use do you 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 could choose to do whatever you want with your time. So yeah, I think that's a def- that's a good definition of financial mm-hmm. freedom. You essentially have you've bought all your time back. Mm-hmm. All your time is yours, and it's free to do what you know what you want to do. And regardless of what you do, whether you work or not, you're um you're everything's paid for. You don't have to worry about it. Your investments will automatically generate the money necessary to pay um, whatever you spend. Yeah, I agree. And that's why um, that's why I think people have been starting to add like those modifiers to these words. Like I think at the at the core, like rich wealth and financial freedom, they kind of all go hand in hand. They all kind of mean something a little different. And when it comes to wealth, people have been starting to add like those modifiers. So. Now everyone talks about generational wealth where it's like, okay, I just don't want to be wealthy. I don't want to just have my investments pay me the money that I need to survive. But I, if my investments can't pay my children money as well and doesn't survive and isn't sustainable, then it doesn't make sense. Same with financial freedom where it's like, I want to achieve financial freedom, but if I achieve it at 80, like what's it's kind of like people are like, all right, well, I need to achieve early financial freedom. I need to do it when I'm 30, 35. So those yeah. modifiers important too. So- so if somebody wants to achieve financial freedom, what do you think is like the most valuable thing for them to pursue first? That's a good question. Uh, we talked about it last week as well. And so in the in when we wrapped up Set for Life by Scott Trench, we talked about what needs to happen in order for somebody to achieve early financial freedom. His standpoint was, first and foremost, you need to save. You need to be as if you're trying to achieve early financial freedom, like retire at 35 kind of kind of deal. You need to save and be as frugal and live as efficient of a lifestyle as possible. Every purchase you make, 
you have to think about it as, am I willing to delay my financial freedom for X? If I'm not, then don't get it. If you are, then purchase it. Um, and then also, in addition to that, I think the efficient life piece is huge. Like, um, can you live on like $2,000 a month or less? And it's kind of like- 500. You gotta be able. You gotta be able to try and live in a, as efficient of a life as possible. The next thing that is needed, if you want to achieve early financial freedom, is you have to make sure to scale your income. Because no matter what people say, like it's kind of like if I'm trying to work, if I if I if I'm 25 now and I want to retire at 35, like I'm gonna need to be able to make substantial income. So you have to be in a field where your income is like rapidly scaling. Like if you're a teacher, you know, yeah, I can work for 20 years and might not might just hit 100k. So it's like I. If I'm trying to achieve early financial freedom, it's not really feasible. I need to get into a career field where I can scale my income and then aggressively invest whatever the difference is between what you earn and pretty much what um, you spend. Like whatever that difference is of money that you save is kind of like it should be going into working for you because that's how you achieve it. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, essentially, I think. What do you think um, people have to work on the most? Because there's a lot of people that make a lot of, you know, they make money. They make a mm -hmm. decent amount of money, like enough money for them to like actively retire at, you know, or I mean, I guess achieve early financial freedom pretty early. Mm -hmm. So what do you think they have to like work on the most? Because my thing is, I think people have to probably work on maybe saving more money. Mm -hmm. I would say, I would say, Yes, I think it is saving more money, but I think if I peel a layer back, I think it's more the mindset. Yeah. It's yeah. And not not to not to keep drawing so many parallels to like the books that we've been reading, but yesterday's chapter was all of, oh, of course. Read and retire. I mean, what are we gonna reference? A movie? <laughs> you never know. You never know. But no, uh I think the yesterday was a chapter all about habits like and i thought it was very fitting that trench ended the book on a chapter all about habits because no matter how much you know we we just said what the blueprints were for kind of like in and at a very high level like becoming wealthy and earning early financial freedom but what stops most people i think is their habits the idea that they don't want to feel like they're missing out FOMO, they don't want to delay their gratification because it's like 10 years from now, I retire. What, but all my friends are traveling to Vegas at 25. All my friends are partying in Miami at 24. Like all my friends are doing this and that. Everyone's going to Coachella. Everyone's going to Rolling Loud, like all of these things. And so it's like, I think it's just like the habits, like saving more is important. And I think that people don't save enough, but I think the reason they don't is because they're not willing to delay their gratification um, to achieve the goal, which is being able to retire, and they are willing to kind of enjoy life now at the expense of potentially not being able to um, retire in the future. And and so I think them not being consistent, them not working smarter instead of harder, and then them not managing their time, those are kind of like the underlying things. Like, because it's work, like all of it is work. It's like you have to work on it every day. People think that it's just gonna wake up one day and their budget is gonna be great and their expenses, it's like, no, you have to work on it. It's like a relationship, it's like the gym, it's like anything, like it's day by day, step by step, so. 100%, man, I mean, human beings are just creatures of a habit. Mm -hmm. You have to start off small, take little steps, and then over time you can become a sort of person that um, is set up to essentially be, um, you know, just financially free.
Mm-hmm. It's just that. I mean, do you have any habits you think that have helped you? Like um, that you do like on a daily basis that you feel like automatically just help you put. You, I mean, they they help you, I guess, become the sort of person that becomes um, financially free at an early age. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think for me in a, at a very t- high level, like the people I hang around with is a huge is a huge habit. They say like you are the company you keep, and I think for me, a lot of the friends right that I, you know that are involved in my life and that are. I consider long-term friends. They're people who are also trying to be on the same wave, the same type of time, and so that habit is is good. Another habit for me is waking up early. Um, at least you have been doing it. Like you have been doing it, right? Yeah. Tell them about that getting up early stuff. So what time we get? Oh, up? I mean, it's not that early. I definitely try and get up at six or earlier, six a.m. or earlier, because you'll get at least three hours of work in before you have to. You might have to start or clock into your nine to five. So if I'm able to be up at six then that means that i have three hours that i could choose to do read and retire work i could choose to um help to figure out social media for the day can take i'm taking some courses now online so it's good time and you have three hours before the market's open yeah and you have three hours before the market which is always a good thing you don't want to have to get up and then like (laughs) spaz out like i do at (laughs) 8 59 (laughs) what am i gonna sell it by yeah like i got 30 minutes to figure it out but (laughs) i think that that's and so i would say waking up early um surrounding myself with good company and uh and yeah just consistently taking a look in the mirror because i feel like um no matter how good you think you are with things that there's always time that you could be improving like you can always and you're never going to master time you're never going to master money but if you pay attention to both of them enough you can find ways that you can optimize them and say okay well i've spent too much time here okay i'm spending too much money here and just reset so i think looking at my bank statements looking at how my days are going and saying okay spending three hours on social media it's not good gotta tone that down you know what i mean like whatever it is so i think those are the three things i would say yeah i mean that's really good i mean um so just to like reiterate them it's just you essentially you know you watch the company you keep you get up early um then definitely make sure you look take a look in the mirror and are looking at those areas that you want to improve because we talk about or i talk about this a lot but you only optimize what you measure and so it's like if my goal is to save money more if it's to manage my time better Take a look at how you're doing. Like it's gonna suck. You'll be like, yo, I shouldn't have spent 150 bucks at this restaurant. But it's like now you're seeing the kind of writing on the wall. I'm not. I'm just saying in general. Like, where are you eating? Dude? But it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have spent my time doing this. But over time, you kind of get, I think, better and better at it. So, um, uh, the people you hang out with, um, get up early and self awareness. Mm-hmm. These three habits that he finds helps him out the most. Yep. Um, and then just to kind of wrap up this section, is there uh, is there one of those three that you think is probably most valuable to pursue first or like financial between financial freedom, achieving wealth and becoming rich? I think once again, I think a lot of people try and do them all at the same time. It usually doesn't work like that. And they should probably focus on whichever route they think is best. But is there one that's most valuable you think to kind of pursue um, first? I think self-awareness is probably going to be the one that leads you to all the other ones. 
probably because it's kind of hard to um, see the sort of company you keep without looking at yourself and what goals you want and how you're behaving and I think once you actually look inward and then you see the things you have to do to improve then that'll lead you to start improving the other ones and maybe getting up early and maybe limiting the time you spend with like some people because I'm not a fan of cutting people off <laughs> I think that um, maybe just limiting time with them is probably better especially if um, some of the crazy things that you do maybe spend too much money with somebody maybe party too much somebody parts of the you know reasons that you actually like spent, like them so maybe cut off some time with them and I think that all just starts with you know just looking inward so I think self-awareness is probably the f one that will probably lead you to being wealthy and then, or, and being you know financially free mm -hmm. in the long term okay and then of those three like rich wealthy and financial freedom is there one that you kind of focus on more or um, I think technically based off the definition of wealthy I am technically wealthy because I'm cheap as hell. Because so, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. it's just the math. So if you don't have, um, if the money you make is far, you know, um, that is, I don't even remember the word. If the money you make is um, larger than the amount of money you spend, then technically you're... Yeah, if the um, money that you're bringing in from your investments. Yeah, yeah, from my investments. And yeah, I mean, they are. So it's like, you know, I spend like no money. So, mm -hmm. I mean, my hair. You know, shaved my head the other day because I went because Barbara wanted to charge me thirty five plus because I had a beard and I wasn't having it. So I don't know. I think um, technically I am wealthy, so I guess I'm trying to figure out how to earn more income so that I can get to financial freedom. So I guess that's where I'm at, like right now. I think financial freedom is the goal, so I'm trying to figure out how to make more money and then just. Yeah, without spending scaling. too much. Mm -hmm. Keep scaling the yeah, because that's the thing. It's like uh, what we talked about in episode two, which is with the scaling up of like Rosh. It's like, all right, I'm gonna start off here, then I got a convenience store. All right, now I got a motel, got a hotel. It's like you're scaling up and figuring out how to do that. Um, so yeah, but I think that's a that's pretty much it for the differences between those three. I mean, yeah, it's just. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's that, that's pretty much it. I mean, if anybody, um, feel free to like hit us up if you guys have like maybe differing opinions or like um, if you feel like maybe um, there's more to add to any of these definitions because we like to hear especially what uh, people are thinking about what it means to be rich to them, what it means to be wealthy, and what it means to be financially free. Mm -hmm. You know, just hit us up on um, Instagram. You can just comment on the YouTube videos or, um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I think we're just going to wrap with some business news. Um, just one interesting video slash article that we saw earlier uh, today, which uh, came out a few days ago, which I thought was very fascinating. But it was basically a, a, a segment by ProPublica, a publication. They said, like, basically that they had uncovered about 15 years of old tax records from some of the ultra wealthiest people in uh the united states and it showed that the wealthiest americans are actually paying just very little tax um i think to be honest we all knew it and especially with donald trump and his ex like the exposure that he's had and as we suspected dave all along yeah i think what was crazy about this was it basically put like i said showing you know the writing on the wall i think it was basically like people knew it but they didn't know to what extent and they were saying basically like like maybe like 2007 and 2011 like jeff bezos actually paid nothing so it's like you know sometimes you think ah maybe it's just lower but it's like nah i paid nothing in yeah, federal less income than, tax less than us yeah and so um what, what do you how do you how do you feel about how do you feel about it well to be honest i'm not mad at it Dave. um i think what it is is um they're using one of the biggest tools you can when it comes to like personal finance it's um owning a business 
Um, because once you own a business and you tie your finances into your business, you no longer have to follow the normal tax structure. Your taxes are due, you know, at the end of tax season, as opposed to you know you paying taxes, you know, every time you get paid. So um, I think mostly because we started our own business, I think that I would very much like to take advantage of the same, of, of the things they've done, especially if we get to a point where we can scale to that when we scale to that point. So I think um, I think what bothers me more so is that um, more people aren't doing it. Yeah. More than you know the actual you know because it's like if you're making billions of dollars, you're probably not going to want to pay taxes. Just in general, I don't want to pay taxes now, and I'm barely making anything. So I think that maybe if I think if there's any outrage about it, it's probably because people aren't using the, those tools themselves to actually benefit from them as well. Yeah, I think um, that just also goes to show you how how kind of not backwards, but how many loopholes are actually in our tax system because they're not actually doing anything that's illegal. Um, they're just trying to they're just operating within the confines of the environment and the system that they're in. And so, I kind of feel like should they be paying taxes? Probably because at this point I still have to pay it, so it's like should they? But it's also kind of like well if they are smart enough to be able to find a way to legally avoid it, then why not? I'm, I'm trying to say, how can I learn how to do that as well? Um, and and so I'm not necessarily mad at it, um, but I thought one thing that was very fascinating, because I always kind of look at, at the end of the day, I always look at it as, as interesting. I look at it as like a case study almost in my head. It's just like, okay, this is what this person did. How can I try and impl implement it too? And how, why did it work? And they were basically saying that what, rich, what the ultra rich people do is they don't really pay themselves a salary what they do is they will borrow money from their company. And once they borrow money from their company, they'll invest it into um, like stocks or an asset. And once they invest it into those like assets or those um, securities, those stocks, bonds, whatever they invested in, whenever they need um, money, they would just sell those um, assets that they need, those stocks, get the money. But what they also do is they charge themselves interest. Because they borrowed a loan from their own company, they charge themselves interest and they pay that interest with the gains that they get from selling that investment. Those gain, those That interest will now serve as a tax write-off. So now essentially at the end of the year, it's kind of like, okay, well, there are some capital gains taxes that you'll probably have to pay. But because you also paid this large amount of interest, that's a deduction. So it kind of balances out where it's like, I didn't really get a salary. I just borrowed a loan. I had to pay interest on that loan. That interest is tax deductible. And I'm going to deduct that against whatever income I got as kind of like capital gains. So yeah, you made no money, but you still have the buying power. Yeah. So. And everything. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's just I just took a loan from my company. I yeah. still have to pay that money back, even though I own the, even though I'm like the owner of that company. It's like, yeah. But um, I mean, if I, th I know a lot of people do want to change this system, though. Mm hmm. But I think, um, but but I think the way they, they they're approaching it is probably wrong as well, because it's like you want to change the system, so you're going to try and maybe make rules to force the people that aren't paying to pay. Instead, what we all could do is all start a business, and I promise, <laughs> I promise, I promise they'll they'll they'll, they'll change it. If, every, if enough people start businesses and avoid taxes, we will have different rules. Because yep. <laughs> they'll be like, all right, we don't have enough money, so we have to change the way these um, tax laws are. But 
the crazy part, the crazy part about that is the richest people will still find a way to avoid taxes. That's 100%. the thing. If you if like no matter, how, and that's the big thing that I think people don't understand. Even if you change the tax rules, it's like boy. If you don't think Jeff Bezos and and um, Elon Musk and all these other guys are not going to develop new ways to just avoid like they, it's they're always their creative genius. I think is too high for and also their capital. Yeah, like this. Once you're worth billions and billions of dollars, dude, rules. It's not. It's not the same. Yeah, so I think it's kind of like uh, the, that's the thing. I think as soon as they change the tax laws, within a year they'll find ways to avoid it, or they'll minimize it as much it's as possible. Faster. Yeah, probably faster, faster than yeah. the, a week. <laughs> yeah, they, they have guys like this is just your job. Figure this out. And be like, all right, a week you'll probably have something down. Yeah. So, yeah, but very interesting. I thought that was just a very interesting article because kind of we all knew it. It just, I guess, these new release tax records for the last fifteen years. I don't even know how you find unreleased, like how you get unreleased tax records, but just interesting. I mean, find out that these dudes leaked it themselves. Hey so man, need people do all the time. Needed people to know. <laughs> yeah, but no, it just goes to show you that at the end of the day, like there's just so much opportunity to really avoid. Um, a lot of things that people consider um as commonplace and i'll tell you this one story um just about like possibilities and about really being able to avoid stuff i don't think i don't even think i told you this story yet um you know who i'm talking about but uh essentially like one of my friends like I, I i really think over the last like year the biggest thing is like anything is possible like when you think about making billions of dollars you're like okay well how am i going to avoid ties it's like really like anything's possible and so um I didn't even know this was a thing, but essentially, um, one of one of my friends, he uh, lives on a street, very quiet street, and um, from the place that he's living, like you can kind of see the beach from like where he's living, and he's basically telling, like you know, his family was basically telling me a story of essentially like um, the the telephone poles, like the light, the electricity, um, you know how you have like light, like telephone poles have like the black cords that will give you power. Yeah. It kind of was a little bit of, um, you know, an eyesore when you're on the deck and you're looking over. Um, I didn't know you could do this, but essentially, they um they basically had a talk with the city and they were able to convert all of their like tell like telephone lines underground. And I was thinking like, man, like that. I, I kind of knew. I guess if somebody told me, hey, like if you don't want telephone lines on your street, you can just pay to have them underground but at the same time it's kind of like my sometimes it's kind of like when you think about when you've just been experiencing so many different things like when you've always paid taxes you're like can a billionaire really avoid it? it's like yeah it's like or it's like oh i'm always we live in you know we live in new york it's like eh, if i lived in a house and i had enough money i could just tell the mta i don't want a train line above i could just just build it on the ground and they would they if you had enough money it'll get done i guess maybe if enough people decided but I don't know. I mean, maybe not the MTA. I get telephone line, but the MTA, the whole train. I, I feel like, I, and I, I'm thinking, mm, I, I'm I thinking, and it, and to be honest, that's probably that's to be honest, like that's probably what happened. That's probably the design. If you notice, I feel like if you look at a lot of like the lower income areas, all the train lines are above ground, but mm, like the richer and like I think a lot of the more affluent areas, I don't know, they they're just not above ground. I think for the most part, like when I look at when I look at Brooklyn, it's kind of like even even in even like in most parts of Williamsburg, it's like the train lines aren't even above ground. It's kind of wild. Yeah, the transition is uh, I think from Broadway Junction. I think I think Broadway Junction to like 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah. As you as you as you do transition into wealthier and wealthier neighborhoods, the the trains also go <laughs> underground. Yeah, so I'm I don't know if that's. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. We can say, know. you know, we can. So, but anyway, yeah, I think um my my main my main point yeah my main point for that was just to kind of open up my eyes to like wow like if you have you could really kind of really do anything if you have the money going back to what you were saying about people saying you know with the taxes it's like nah you can really pay people to do things that you probably would not think about doing just out of convenience and and savings if you want so no i mean i I think that's um yeah i think people just need to instead of maybe trying to bother the systems that exist maybe we should probably take advantage of them now especially since it has come to our attention that they are very easy to manipulate with enough capital and with enough um just um i guess with enough like people Mm -hmm. because you know the minority community is very large and they take a very large portion of you know just the united states of america so we can probably if we come together we can definitely do a lot you know you get enough Mm -hmm. people together um you start enough businesses then you can definitely take advantage of the tax structure we have because if they change the tax structure and then you start a business and then it maybe it's difficult maybe it might be difficult for the businesses that aren't uh you know bit millionaire multi-millionaire billionaire like levels to take advantage the way um you could now and then maybe smaller businesses struggle because of the changes that they decide to make Mm -hmm. so i feel like maybe if we just you know work together and just essentially just build something now and then take advantage of the system now then it might just be better than trying to just get rid of stuff i agree i agree um and then the last business the last piece of business news this is like also something that um i recently learned i told you a little bit about it but whiskey are you a big are you a big whiskey drinker um scotch whiskey well i mean i mean i guess jack daniels yeah, Jack like Daniels, you know, honey, yeah. honey, Jack, maybe. <laughs> You're like you know? depending on the night. You know, I don't think I have a, a, a taste for it. I'm not gonna just drink. A, I mean, if I'm trying to get lit, yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I recent. I, there's like a obviously like there's a lot of people who really like scotch, really good scotches and um, the uh, whiskeys as well. And there's kind of like an entire market around it, and it's kind of been blowing up during COVID nineteen. I guess people are home a lot more. People are like sipping a little bit more and uh basically i was learning about um how alcohol can really be an investment when you think about it a lot of times like if you look at like scotches and whiskeys they're they're priced based on age and so essentially i was learning about this play where if you can find like a manufacturer or a distributor who you can kind of pay money to up front to get a barrel of whiskey at a certain age, like if you get, you know, let's say Glenn Levitt or McAllen at year five and you pay somebody up front to kind of get a barrel of that, um, let's say a barrel is like I'm making it up like 200 bottles, 200, like uh, 750 milliliter bottles. You might pay up front, let's say 10000 or $12,000 for that barrel. But then if you held on to it as you as the McAllen ages and now it becomes like a 20 year bottle, let's say you held it for 20 years and now it's a 25 year old bottle, you could essentially have that bottled and then you can sell it now at like an absorbent price. Cause it's like, you know, if you look online it's fine like a 25 year, it might cost you like 500 bucks. So then you could sell like 500 times the 200 bottles that you now have compared to what you paid for it. And it could be like a really good investment. And so I, it was just interesting. And I also heard that 
you know, if you think about selling it on like the Chinese markets, even crazier. I think that there might be some kind of, I don't know if there's like some kind of, um, some kind of like a distribution kind of limited access. But if you try to sell it in that market, you could probably even get way more for a bottle of scotch in that caliber. So just another, I think another interesting piece of business news that I heard that people are really looking into like scotch and whiskey as an investment, like long term. See, that's one of, um, that's a good example of a lie. I mean, would you consider an alcohol a liability, I guess? Most people would. Yeah, so Most that's, that's a great example of use of making a liability into an asset. And it uses one of the things that most of us tend to have, which is just time. It's one of those you can just buy and then wait. And then next you know, you just, I guess, maybe wake up and remember you have like a 30, 40-year-old <laughs> whiskey you can sell at like a ridiculous price point. Yeah. And um, I think, of course, the hardest parts are finding like the distributor the manufacturer like those kind of people who can hold it down and then obviously bottle it for you and then um being able to um sell things in a sell alcohol in a legal manner of course um always important to make sure that you're doing everything as legal as possible yeah, but turn your house into a um. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you do think about it, even just the stored value of it though like the fact that you know like okay this is 25 years old you could sell that probably back to the person you bought it from you know if anything or to another per, to another um distributor or manufacturer but i think do you think they have ways to test that um they're going word of mouth yeah they probably have ways to test it yeah they probably they de probably definitely have ways to test age um i'm not sure what that would be though um it's probably my homework for next week but I, i'm sure yeah i'm sure but that is that. That was just another interesting piece of business news that I think I heard like in the last week. That yeah, I thought so um, don't limit your plays to the conventional. <laughs> um, it could be anything, and it doesn't matter how long term it takes. Um, you're never a sucker if you take profit. You know, regardless of how long it takes you to actually get the profit. Exactly. You can never you can never look stupid for for making money. Yeah, even so. if it's like twenty years later, and then maybe maybe you do this at the beginning. You know, when you first start a family. Exactly, and give your kid. Imagine giving your kid that barrel when he turns like it's like bro it's like you know here's $150,000 worth of whiskey I know I'm what like, I'm gonna get you next time um, I mean not next time <laughs> you don't have any kids first time you actually um, you know have a baby shower I'm gonna get you a barrel of whiskey Dave and then by the time your kid turns 18 he's looking at um, I don't know I mean what's it start at what do you what can you buy yeah. like a five year yeah yeah that would be uh, yeah, like a 28 year like maybe <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, nah, that'll be. It. I think that'll be a beautiful investment. Uh, maybe. Um, may, maybe wait till your kid turns twenty-one though. Oh yeah, to give it. Oh yeah, so he can, <laughs> he can actually take. He could, he could be like, I'm drinking thirty bucks. <laughs> give him a barrel of whiskey at eighteen. <laughs> nah, I gotta. Yeah, gotta. And wait. I drank it. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you gotta wait. But nah, that's. I've heard people people do that, and that's crazy. That's like, um, you know, there are some people who buy their kids like, um, you know, units. When they when they're born, it's crazy. Um, but oh, like apartments? Yeah, like I think. Oh, um, yeah, I think. Um, I think that's very big. Um, in in um in the Jewish community, like when they have a kid, they just buy him a you know, apartment. Yeah, they buy him a condo, like and it'll be Did like. You I, tell him about it until he, or, or is it like you? It's it's um I think it's it's pretty much bought and managed by the by like the father, and then I think it's eventually passed down um to the kid. But um yeah, a lot of people. It's pretty common. I think you buy, have a kid, you buy that. So 
have a kid by now. So well, then there you go. So this is what we should be doing in baby showers. You know, instead of getting people, um, like, you know, just like little trinkets and stuff like that, maybe if you know enough people, um, you can just, um, they can come together and then maybe um, invest in the child's future. I think that'd be a, a good idea. That would be a, a good thing to idea. start doing, you know. Like, say you have like 100 guests, maybe, if each of them puts in like maybe mm-hmm. 100 bucks. Yeah. Now that kid has a sizable amount of money that they can invest into something, and then maybe when the kid turns eighteen, now he has access to funds he wouldn't otherwise. Yeah, ten thousand invested today. Imagine what ten thousand. Like if you you know you exactly what you said. Like a hundred people gave a hundred dollars. Like that's ten thousand. You put ten thousand in the market today, and then you wait twenty years. Right. That's officially the move. Um, Rita Retire started that first. I know. We go just document <laughs> that. Next time you make sure you tag us. You can do that. But no, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm being honest. That's what people are doing though. They're really being like, all right, we'll put this ten. You get you get like not seven to twelve percent on ten thousand. Yeah. Over eighteen years. Yeah, it's like um, what was it? Pay uh, for your college, boy. That's yeah. it. <laughs> your college is paid for because you decided to to just put a uh, you decided to get a, a group of people together and they invested in your child because I think that's probably because that's gonna be worth way more than you know a shirt or like a onesie that they're gonna just you know grow out of in like a few months. Exactly, but that's where the community piece comes in, where it's like how many people trust other people to do to kind of put clump to like group their money and every other co- a lot of every other um community is doing it but it's like sometimes when it comes to ours it's like yeah i'm not mixing my hundred with his hundred with this person's hundred whereas other communities just like nah we're all gonna put in for for this and we're gonna make sure that that kid has like the opportunity and they don't have to go to college like it's just like imagine regardless imagine your parents told you at 18 like oh because we you know, invested like some. We start off with ten thousand and put away a hundred dollars a month for the last twenty years, or eighteen years, or twenty-one years. I guess you have two hundred thousand that you can kind of start off with. That you know, at eighteen, it's like it's pretty. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> maybe you know? let them graduate college first. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't want to throw a decay on an eighteen-year-old, but you know, yeah, yeah the, the idea is, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you start. In, I mean, if you start investing young, just like that, then yeah, the kid will be set. I think that's something we should do. That's something we're going to do. That's a fact. That's something when I'm going to do. You guys um, make your babies. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. But, yeah, no, nah, I think it was just, it was just like another great episode. I learned a lot, and I feel like we were able to kind of talk about a lot. So I'm I'm excited for where we're just going to continue to go. And, yeah, like if you guys um have any questions, definitely feel free to reach out to us at Read and Retire. Um, at gmail.com and please please continue um, slide in our DMs just drop um, questions ideas comments and generals um, we appreciate any feedback and um, when we drop this on YouTube just feel free to comment um, we're trying to get better over time just like any good investment so if you feel like um, there's places we can improve or if something if you just like something that we did um, just let us know we enjoy it appreciate it alright bye